Disco. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, oh, yeah, maybe. No, I mean. Okay, no, it's yours. It's yeah, your no, I don't think so. I do love your voice, but no. Rob's trying to take my glory. Oh, London town and beyond. All of our babes all around the world. We are back, baby. We said we weren't going to say that again. I know, but yeah. We also said that we wasn't going to take really long, unnecessary breaks, but we found ourselves doing that yet again. Yeah. I mean, it's been a busy time, hasn't it? Really busy. There's a lot happening. Sobriety, rebranding, new boyfriends. I mean, we've been really busy. But we're going to talk about that in a sec. We are back <laughs> for series three. Yes! You're all right, babe. I'm so excited. I can hear myself in my headphones. This is so much fun. It does feel nice to be back in the studio. Doesn't though. it? Yeah. It does. No new sponsors like we had Kombucha last time. So if any sponsors want to, you know, jump on board. Yeah. Who was on the second series? Kombucha. Oh yeah, kombucha. Oh, it was, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah unfortunately, yeah. we're just there. We're just here drinking Coke instead. So, you know, Coca Cola. If you want to sponsor our little podcast, then yeah, full fat Coke though, people. Just so you know, we're not diet Coke girls. Um, but yeah, it has been a crazy busy time. But we are back with series three. We've got some amazing queer. Also not queer. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god. Ding, ding, oh my god. Are we allowing that? Are we allow- we're I, totally I allowing think, that. I think where the boss is. Um, uh, so really amazing creative powerhouses to talk to for series three. In the context of us no longer having restrictions around COVID. I mean, is it too so, too soon to say that? It feels stupid. stupid. I'm going to say it. The way you said stupid sounded stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it feels stupid that we're not going to have any uh, isolation things. But hey, it's good for the nightlife industry. Uh, yeah, my main source of income. Thank you. Yeah, so full <laughs> steam ahead with... No COVID restrictions. So yes. I guess for series three of Your Right Babes, we're not, you know, thinking about it in the context of COVID anymore. It's about just chatting to these amazing people. Yeah. Does, wait, does this mean that I don't have to wash my hands anymore so much? No, you should still do that. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so, James, you uh, just mentioned it in our little intro, but... Um, Boyfriends. It's been... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Boyfriends. But yeah. you, you had quite a big change in life, haven't you? Yeah, I've had a really big change. Um, I have decided to um, follow a sobriety path and now fully sober. And today I sit on 122 oh, days. Congrats you. Yeah, snaps a little studio. <laughs> um, which has been uh, extremely rewarding and uh, also extremely challenging to navigate being a, a nighttime crawler and also um, doing it completely sober. Yeah. But babes have done it. I'm doing it. I'm here for it. So proud of you and indeed proud of anyone else who's listening and is on their sober yes. journey. But it's also going to present some interesting discussions, I think, for Series 3, given our life for this podcast is very much discussing sort of about nightlife and tw- toiling around in <laughs> clubs until stupid time in the morning. we still can do that. Um, we still can, but it's, yeah. no, it's, it's going to be interesting to have mm. that as a context. But very proud of you. Thank you for Congrats. Much. Shall just... we talk about the first person getting on the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's completely cut you yeah. off. Congratulations. Bye. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, Moo. So our first guest is an absolute babes. Uh, they are a DJ producer, creator, TV personality. All of the above. All of the above. I mean, wow. How many talents and how did you become so talented? So many questions. So we should probably just go straight into the interview, really. Let's do it. Let's get them on. Yeah. Can we say a massive hello? Big, 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 you're right, babes. Welcome to Ryan Lange. Ryan! Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. How are you? 
I'm all right, but you just totally snatched my first opening line, and it's the staple, and it's one that we haven't actually asked for quite a while. So um, mm. I've got to I've got to ask it, and I'm going to create a little bit of awkward, unnecessary suspense. 100%. You always do this. <clears throat> Shush! Stop shading me, Rob. <laughs> um, Ryan, mm. you're right, babes. Mm, maybe. Ah! <laughs> I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm meh. You know what's really funny is that today, actually, I was saying to people, I, I was on, on a uh, London Fashion Week shoot, and someone said, um, when did you move here? And I was like, I moved here in 2010. And then they were like, I moved here in 2013. I was like, did you understand the English language? And it's like, yeah. And she's like, I speak English. And I was like, no, no I meant like English dialect and discourse. I was like, someone said to me, um, you're right. And I, for probably the better part of a year, thought that something was wrong with me. Yeah. Because in Canada, if you say, are you all right? It means you've been hit by a car. It means that like, yeah, like you fell down, yeah. like something's gone wrong. Is that drama. Yeah. And so like immediately I was hit with a microaggression. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's so interesting. Thank you for that. We were, we were somewhat lucky with the name of our podcast because we mm. called it this. And then what, two, three months later, um, Drag Race came out and RuPaul, the first thing he says across all the series, you're right, babes. You're right, like, babes. Yes. Hashtag that shit now. <laughs> yeah. Steal it. Steal it. Yeah, exactly. Do you know where it came from? Where? So I, when I was like in my 20s, um, growing towards, the th- towards 30, all of my friends know me as babes. And mm. I'd be like, you're right, babes. You're right, babes. And they used to take the piss at me all the time for my East London council estate diction, which mm. I just over egg really because I find it really yeah. entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's where it came from. Well, Someone if talks. you don't accessorize your upbringing, someone else will. I love that first soundbite. <laughs> is that like? Is if you, like, is that your phrase? I like, think the young kids go yeet. What the? F- you, how do you smell that? I don't know. I have a really young team with me right now, so they teach me all these really cool things like TikTok. <laughs> oh, I mean, I was gonna say. I think you know a lot about TikTok, don't you, Rob? A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> um, I was gonna say you look amazing today. So you've just come from London Fashion Week. Yes, I mean, no, actually, I came from the office, but I always look great. Oh, yeah, yeah, you do, you do actually. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like so different. For those who cannot see what I'm wearing, yeah. I am wearing a bright lime green t shirt designed by Max Allen that says gay, gay men's undies. <laughs> 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 and a, a vintage archive Craig Green um, jacket that I really wanted to buy 10 years ago and then finally had the courage to do it's it. It's gorgeous. But you can see it because you just go to our Instagram and then they'll see the picture. Are you going to take a picture of us? Yeah. 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 Great, thank God I dressed Maybe up. Maybe some like, twerking <laughs> videos. Something to I really don't twerk for free. <laughs> well, Rob will pay you. Get that MX out, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> it's made me so happy to have you on the show. Mm. And oh, just my shoulders are raised in my... <laughs> Sorry. You're so I will compose myself. Why well, I have such a f- an affinity with you? I don't I know. Don't know. <laughs> we, well, maybe we should talk about how, the why and the where and how this all came about. Everyone's we, asking. Yeah, everyone is, aren't they? I was mm-hmm. talking about right uh, and James. Um, it, it was at Feel It, and we were felt it, at Amir, and we did, and we felt it, right? Mm. And uh, I remember we had this amazing moment where we just it just connected and. It was just energy. And I talk about it a lot on the show, and Rob shades me a lot, and people do generally talk about it a lot. But we had this amazing energy between us, and since then I've just been totally in love with you. It was palpable. Were it, you playing the same yeah. night? Yeah, so basically I was asked to play Feel It, and I was like, why? Because I, I don't play house or disco. Yeah. And then um, I was like, oh, it's obviously because of Clayton, because Clay, uh, Little Gay Brother is an affiliation with Jody Harsh, and, and the night is like an amalgamation of the two movements. And um, I was like, okay, cool, yeah, I'm up for this. And then I got there, and I was like, <laughs> bitch, I like run a Bollywood night for four years. What the fuck am I going to play? <laughs> <laughs> and I was never going to say no because I unapologetically take up space. So I was like, either this is my last gig here or I'll be back. And then um, I was just there and then you were there and I was like, I don't know what to make of you. And then you were just smiling and dancing and like <laughs> really partying. And I was like, whoa, I was like looking in a, a mirror and seeing a white <laughs> version of yourself. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, yeah. That's what it was. And you, yeah. know, you and then, played quite a few times, right? Uh, yeah, I played like, a, yeah, because I, I did this stupid thing where I jumped on the DJ decks and then did like a dive off the decks and then, and then climbed the wall and people were like, what the hell? So I, I, think, I think I just became theatrical. <laughs> yeah, you were hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, I, I mean, remember that. Yeah, that upstairs room becomes very, very theatrical. Though, yeah, but I... happens in that small area. I, yeah, I broke a lot of rules. Um, <laughs> I, I health and safety <laughs> rules. And then I also broke a lot of genre rules. Yeah. 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 Did you play any disco? Mm, there's a couple. I had like a weird like Remix reach off. off of like Funky yeah. Town. Yeah, absolutely. That's a disco <laughs> record. Love that. Yeah, and then I did like Grooves in the Heart. Grooves in the Heart. I mean, I played your your. I, this is this just sort of like delves into my intersectionality. Basically, like I I did play disco, but what is disco? Disco, by yeah, definition, yeah. is it. the most popular music of the time, and so I did that by mashing it up with everything you never thought you knew you wanted to hear. I mean, that's what you want when you go to a... a, a I'm subscribing be to... Be challenged. Just, everyone's going to just be subscribing to you. Ah. Um, okay, so that is energy, feels, music, hanging from ceilings, <laughs> from air ducts. That is how Ryan and I, I met. And we, we connected over music and energy and What's also... Uh, WhatsApp. Yeah, we sent a lot of WhatsApp voice notes. And I just love that you as a WhatsApp yeah, but can voice Can we just have an intervention here? Like, What's one that? minute and 30 seconds is a long time for someone to listen. Oh, no, it was five minutes I sent you, wasn't oh, it? Oh, but that was a long one, but that... Yeah, but do you know what? I sent him a five-minute voice note, and it was about coming on the podcast. <laughs> and I never and listened to it, and here never, I am. He never listened. <laughs> and he just replied to go, love you. That yeah. was it. That was the response. And I was like... I was going through a hard time. Is that a yes? Or? <laughs> I hate texting. <laughs> I hate texting people. And like, I, I don't know why. I just like, just can't for life for me do it. So you prefer voice messages? No, I don't prefer anything. I just rather see uh, you in real life. Uh, right, yeah. Yeah. I would rather see you in real life as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Music. So yeah. DJing is a massive thing that bonded us together as well. Yeah, but of course. I, love- I think it might not have necessarily been DJing. I think it must have been the euphoria that we can create in a crowd. Like the way that yeah. you dance is in response to the fun that people are having. And you enjoy the fact that you're making move and like i like that as well and i used to watch my mom and her sisters and cousins dance and that's why i started playing bollywood music and it's the euphoria of feeling like you belong somewhere and that you have a part to play in it so is that where a lot of your like musical interests kind of stem is coming from like your family and bollywood and how how does that start in your musical dj journey i mean i listen to a lot of music i'm from canada so like i diegetically in canada there's a lot of music that is playing and non-diegetically like whatever's around me exists so and what's placed on me were different genres like i can do emo punk i can do r&b and hip-hop i can do bollywood the music that makes my heart sing is bollywood because yeah. I, I grew up on it and i escaped into it and like for some reason i just have a memory where i know the actresses in it the playback singers and like the the composer of the song and if you can have that much commitment when cassette tapes exist then yeah yeah, yeah. then you got a you career in, you got a career in music yeah. i've got to um, say you strike me as someone who like has a lot of references you have a lot of stored up here in terms of like cultural references yeah, musical yeah. references like how you how care. do you even start with all of that like are you I, just that kind of person? I, well, I'm a Leo, Virgo, Rising, Pisces, Moon. I wish I understood what that meant. Yeah, but how would you describe that? Like, for people like, what does that mean? Okay, so a Leo is an extroverted person who is a natural entertainer. You extrovert? No, no. You're just shy. I couldn't be. Very shy. No. Uh, Virgo Rising is like someone who's a perfectionist and really can remember really well and also like is rarely wrong and will go out of their way to be right. And so that is by nature a fact checker and then a Pisces moon so if you come for me I'll just kill you no I'm joking <laughs> um, <laughs> no a, Pi- a Pisces is just really emotional and sensitive and like slightly psychic and intuitive so uh, a Pisces is someone who can really feel and so I mean it's a it's a perfect recipe I guess yeah because that's always the thing that um, I'm always impressed with with drag queens 
is like cultural references, knowledge, and the ability to just kind of spit them out in yeah. response to conversation. Like for a DJ, I think that is such an amazing skill to have mm. because the thing about DJs said by someone who's not a DJ. Uh, it's surely like, like I was controller say. that one time. Like. But it's surely, it's, <laughs> the DJ to me isn't someone who just goes and plays what they want. It's someone mm. who reads the room, knows what to play next and is going to be able to think off, you know, just what is on top front of their laptop will go, I know what the room needs right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, imposter syndrome is so real in my life because of the fact that I started my night, which we'll probably talk about soon, um, off YouTube and Spotify because the songs I wanted to play weren't available as MP3s. There were old remixes and mashups and oh. burner CDs that you'd buy in Hounslow that I heard here when I came to England when I was 16. So fast forward uh, like seven years and I was like, where am I going to get all this music? Yeah. So I was just finding it on YouTube and playing it. And like I remember John Sizzle at The Glory was like, can you stop playing music on YouTube? And I was like, I don't have that privilege. I was like, I don't have the privilege of having the tracks in high quality because I'm playing yeah. things that people haven't heard in a long time. Um, but then I started mixing on a controller and then I started to like play around and um, I really love the idea of mashing up sounds dichotomously. So it's never like, it's not about blending, it's about like fucking it up. Yeah. And um, and so it's, it's put me in this little niche area, but then I also like, there's a whole new arena of South Asian DJs who are incredible, incredible DJs. And um they either have played my night or started playing by playing my night or have started their own nights and are better than me. And so I just feel like I don't belong. But anyways, it doesn't matter because I'm the first brick of being South Asian and queer. I mean, clearly like you're, we should talk about your night because you mm -hmm. just mentioned it. And the fact that you've started this night, which has such a legacy already, like tell us more about Hungama. Uh, yeah. Teach well. the children. <laughs> so I moved to London and I worked in fashion and art and I was very lucky to become a fashion curator and curate a really seminal exhibition about in the beauty industry. It was called Nailphilia and it was a nail art exhibition. I immediately captured the zeitgeist of London fashion, art and culture. Everyone was like, who came up with this idea? I was 23 and knew nothing about fashion. That immediately is an all access, uh, all access pass to, um, I don't know, inferiority, um, walking into a room and being on the periphery, mm -hmm. not being cool enough, not being the flavor of the month in the fashion and art world. So I just started to subscribe to being white. I was like, I'll wear a turtleneck and drink Prosecco and like try to go to the Groucho after the opening or I'll <laughs> I'll Spot go to the fashion on. world and like I'll like blag my way in in the standing line and then rush to front, to front row and then sit there and like applaud and try to Instagram it quick enough so people thought I was actually invited. I just got to a point where I was so exhausted and um work wasn't going well and I was like I have no one I have no friends I have I'm just committed to this art form that I don't really know and it doesn't really care about me it just cares about the industry so I was like I'm going to go to East London I'm going to make some new friends gay friends and I remember going into uh, I won't name the names because these these venues have also helped me as much as they've hurt me um, and so I went into a venue and I was like you know what I'm going to stay here and I'm going to like stay the whole night and try to make as many friends as I can and I remember one of my friends um, who I worked with and collaborated with they left and someone they were talking to, I went up to and I said, hey, my name is Ryan and you know um, X, Y, and Z person. And I just wanted to tell you that uh, I know them as well and I've worked with them. And they just kind of went, ugh, really? at the bar. And I was like, no, I, I think you're mistaken. I'm not trying to hit on you. I'm like just telling you that, that I know them and like I'd love to know your name. Yeah. And they just like didn't care. Brushed you off. Yeah, and it just like, it hurt. It cut so deep. I don't know why. And then um, I did the lock-in situation where you just stayed with everyone because I promised I would stay. And I'm a resilient person. Also very stubborn. Um, <laughs> and then um, <laughs> I was in that room with Max Allen, Hannah Holland, John Joe Jury, and all these amazing people. Mm. And they were like so sweet to me, but no one was really engaging with me because unless people know what you offer, no one really cares that your soul exists. <laughs> 
And yeah. so I was just sitting there and then it was just a moment where like the shutter went up and then I saw a whole bunch of rubbish go out and I would just like snuck out with the rubbish and I felt like rubbish. So I just cried all the way home and I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. So I went home, opened up my computer and I was like, what's going to calm me down? And I thought of a song that I'd always play around my mom. And I played it and I was like, oh my God, I feel so good with this song on. And I was like, I haven't heard this in ages. And then I had this moment where I was like, Bollywood music is not allowed in queer spaces because as a queer South Asian person, you exile yourself from your culture because you'll never be queer. Right. And so, but it's the only thing that has, is the campus thing in the world. Bollywood is so gay. Right. So joyful, colorful. Yeah. It's just, it's like elaborate theater. opulence just, yeah. unrealistic yeah <laughs> all the things that three of us are yes and so i'm, I'm just gonna keep opulent not unrealistic <laughs> yeah <laughs> unrequited yeah. um so anyways i was like you know what screw this i'm going to go straight to the glory tomorrow and i'm going to ask johnny Wu if i can throw a night johnny was sitting there he's like hi darling come on in um i was like can i throw a bollywood night i think it pairs well with hip-hop i think the bpm is the same i knew what that was and then um and he was like <laughs> you know great to mix at this point though no nothing okay great. I, if someone gave me a controller i'd probably try to eat it um, <laughs> <laughs> i basically said i'm gonna do this and he said why don't we dress the whole place like an indian temple i mean that was problematic now <laughs> but back then i i had the the foresight to be like listen i can't dress this place up like a temple for you but i can dress it up for myself i was like could we call it hangama which um means chaos and bedlam celebration um and i'll tell you why i have that name in a second but then i said i'll dress it up because i probably won't get married and so like at least this is a marriage of those two things to myself and johnny was oh. just like well that's really deep and i was like yeah i was like well, me. <laughs> yeah and i was like well at least at least i'll have a celebration of like being queer and being south asian it doesn't matter if anyone comes or doesn't it's just for me so i guess that was the first act of like self-love i've ever done and um amazing and then I went to Club Kali, which obviously exists. It's like an incredible night that's been running for like 27 years. Um, it is a Bollywood club R&B hip hop night. But I was like, okay, know your enemies. No, I'm joking. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was like, I was like, I'm going to go there because I don't want to step on anyone's toes because I'm a curator. So I understand how to. So you went there, wrote notes, ideas, took them and <laughs> applied them to the glory. <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh my God, stop. Why are you coming for me like that? Because you sent for me. Hey, so basically. <laughs> <laughs> no basically what i did was i went there and out of respect i contacted them and said listen i want to start a new night can you dj it and can you bring your drag queens and then mm -hmm. we can see what the lay of the land is and um we did it and after a little while like i think it was the first party happened and everyone loved it i had indian samosas and jalebi at the glory we had incense we had marigold Amazing. We had, the whole yeah. place was dressed like a temple it was like marigold everywhere it was incredible and it was up all summer um max allen did all the decorations and max allen's incredible um and we did it and like there was probably like maybe 30 Indian people there, like South Asians. And I remember a lesbian couple being like, oh my God, we haven't heard this music since our marriage. And um, because they had it in the temple, but they haven't heard it in a queer space. There was like a gay Indian guy dancing and singing to his white boyfriend. And like, I, I was there with my friends and we were like, magical. Yeah, we just took up space. And then, um, and then we... We did it again and it just got cooler and cooler and cooler. We, I, I made a conscious decision that we were going to um, not have... Club Kali involved because I think that we needed a public facing queer Bollywood night. Mm -hmm. um, Club Kali is clandestine and tribalistic and like it, it creates a safe space to allow South Asians who are in the closet to exist because there's no photos. I was like, but what happens right. to the ones who really want to be seen? Yeah, that yeah. want to be visible and represented, want to be creative. So Hangama quickly changed from just a 
queer Bollywood nights, almost like a cultural movement and a monthly noise that allowed South Asians who were queer and creative to come together and be on display. When was this in terms of like timing? Like when was this in the, was it pre-pandemic? This was 2017. Um, Some people would argue that 2017 was the year that South Asians uh, like young South Asians became visible because I also curated an exhibition called The Beauty of Being British Asian mm-hmm. with a magazine called Burnt Royalty and there was a four and a half hour queue outside the exhibition for South Asians coming to see the show and I remember going out and being like why are you waiting for so long and like wouldn't you just be like saw this and they were like no um, they're like we've never seen ourselves and so that at that moment I knew that there was a lot of work to be done and if you look at the discourse and the history of mankind and culture mm-hmm. it's always started by a trans person or a queer person so I was like mm. Okay, God. Amen. Let's go. This is my moment. Yeah. No, it's not even my. It's our moment. Well, it's your moment. To it's help. like it's like someone wants a it's, it's like if a room has no lights on and someone is tall enough to get the light switch, it is your job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what would you? Because you mentioned you're from Canada. Mm-hmm. So you came to the UK when? When? I moved to the UK in 2010. 2010. So how old were you when you when you came? I was 23 years young. 23. So what? So you've obviously had a lot of time growing up in Canada and then coming to the UK, like. Have you found there's much of a difference between kind of where you came from in Canada, the UK, when it comes to acceptance and visibility? Uh, I think Canada celebrates a mosaic society. So like the way I describe it to people is that um, if you look at a beautiful piece of uh, stained glass, like it's made up of different colored shards and shapes and like Canada celebrates that. Mm. But in the UK, they try to identify it as one thing. And, um, and so I realized that I was always celebrated for being different there, but also was too different that I wasn't actually embraced. And so when I came here, I was like optimistic, like a Canadian, young, like a Canadian and, um, had this like joie de vivre. But then in the UK, everyone was kind of like in this gray quilt of life. And like, they just, they were like kind of very Sylvia Plath about everything. Mm. And I was like, okay, cute, but like, it's not that bad. But then slowly through the discourse of a Hungama, I realized that it's because of the way that they're positioned and where they're placed. Like for me, I, w- I have a lot of privilege. I sound, I sound American. My name is Ryan. Um, if you look at me, I'm an ethnic hybrid. Like I could look Portuguese, Brazilian or Spanish, depending on wherever you went last to get a suntan. True. Yeah. And so for, for, the, for, for these people who come to Hangama, my siblings, they are, they don't have that privilege like Akash or Praneet or Hardnik, like, and they don't have the money. They don't understand the brands. And so like, it, it became a space for them to come and learn and explore and also like have the opportunity to turn into the potential. Yeah. And when you grow up as a, a South Asian kid, you don't actually like get to, I'm totally off topic here now, but as a South Asian okay. kid, you don't ever get celebrated for your creativity. In fact, your creativity gets completely like squashed right. and stomped out because you have to become a doctor, a lawyer, right. an accountant or a scientist in order to be closer to proximity to upper levels of classism. Is that changing? Is that still the same, do you think? Well, I guess in a really wonderful retrospective look back, I had no drag queens at Hangama. Now we have like seven. And we had no South Asian DJs. Now there's like eight or nine of them. And there's a whole festival called Dialed In. And like Daytimers, which is a beautiful movement that was was probably run by a lot of queer people. Sorry if I'm not out anyone. But like... A lot of a lot of gender queer or queer people who were embracing queer people were there but not talking about it. So it was still heteronormalizing something that was very queer. Yeah. And so Hangama was a fuck you to everyone, being like, We don't give a shit. We are going to be who we are in this space. Yeah. Eat it. Big visible fuck you. Yeah, yeah. Middle finger. Yeah. And I mean we were we were definitely commodified by a lot of other queer spaces. Like we became uh, like 
curry sprinkle at Sink the Pink. We became like a little like kind of <laughs> gel frazy mix in the cabaret stage at Money Bar. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, and that's fine. That's important. But then what I did was I, I unapologetically took up space. Mm. Yeah. And, the, you know, and the, the looking kind of before you came on the show, the amount of press and coverage that you got with it is is incredible but i guess to your point you don't want it to become tokenistic i that was my mm. fault i did that how i i use twitter <laughs> and instagram and you i use twitter not for for everything anything other than porn <laughs> yeah exactly. that's tumblr yeah. <laughs> um no basically what happened was i realized that if i was going to be successful it needed to have uh needed to be bigger than what it was yeah. so i spent probably two months um taking south asian journalists for coffee and telling them my story and telling them my vision and my goal and saying can you please write a piece on it but no one know i did i did that to like 20 people so when the first party happened we had 16 pieces of coverage <laughs> Why the hell not? I know exactly, but there shows solidarity there. Like if you sit down mm. with a journalist who's not being given an opportunity to talk about the culture and say, listen, this is another marginalized community within your culture. Will you write about us? They're like, brilliant. Thanks to Parveen, um, who was the digital editor of Vogue. Thanks to Salma Hadrani, who was writing for iPaper and The Guardian. Thanks to every single person who went to the party and put a picture of us on the front page. Yeah. Where do you get your drive from, Ryan? I, don't know, I don't know how to drive. I'm just in... I mean, you're my friend, but I'm in awe. I'm actually lost my words. <laughs> I I, like, whenever I ever lost my words in an interview, it's true. It's I true. can chat all day. I just want to stare and listen to you. Oh, I'm I'm just like a toddler with a lot of um, tenacity. You really are, but it's so inspiring. Well, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, a toddler with tenacity. Mm -hmm. Toddler tenacity. When is the next party? <laughs> uh, we're going. <laughs> no, you have to come. It's important I because kind of like, can we be like? I don't know, performers, like, what can we performers? do? Performers? Like, like, did you not hear any of what we just Yeah, saying? but, Thank like... Jesus <laughs> Why don't you just get a bindi out now and yeah. put it on? Jesus. Don't really fit that bill. No, we've had, we've had issues, like, we at Hungama, we've had, we've had moments where we've had to go up... I've had to go up to people and be like, I'm so sorry, but I need to decenter you. And, um, yeah. like, I remember yeah, at the yeah. Glory, we had a cabaret night, and um, there was a lot of seats that were filled with white people who were definitely supposed to be there because they were there from, like, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock. Our thing started at 8. But I had to go up and say, listen, I'm so sorry, but this has now started and all these South Asians at the back need to come and sit because they need yeah. to sit front row mm. and watch the people. And some people didn't like it. Um, mm. Some people mm. showed up and sorry. Some people showed up in Bindi's and you have to like properly wow. tell them to like, I mean, you say wow now, but some people genuinely don't know it's upsetting. They don't yeah. know how it's upsetting. And um, so with Hungama, we now have house rules. And so at the beginning yeah. of every party, we write down the letter of... And what's your what's your what's your opinion on the people that don't quite understand what they're doing or turn up in these you know in, in well, a way that's not appropriate cultural pieces yeah, yeah what mean. you how do you how do you tackle that and then what's your response to that well it perpetuates colonialism in a way that mm. is actually like um, very destructive to people's psyche so um, firstly I think that schooling should be completely like ripped apart thrown away and re recalibrated because should um, we do it now plus one yeah cool get, cool, that, cool. get that paper up <laughs> okay cool next week we're doing shapes and colors <laughs> yeah I'll leave that one <laughs> <laughs> I mean not to get too deep but like it's um, I mean people don't realize that partition uh, which killed hundreds and thousands of Pakistani people um, maybe even millions um, was started and galvanized by a single white man who just drew a line because he didn't know where to divide the country mm. and bloodshed overnight and so it's like, I'm not trying to make anyone upset, but it's like... The word cunt no, but just literally was in my mouth. <laughs> like, I just <laughs> wanted to say it. It's, it, it, you know, I think hearing you just say, I don't want to make anyone upset, like, fuck people. Like, mm. yeah. the, 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 and even, even, even you asking the question, my lovely friend James, like, what, how do you respond to that? White people have to learn 
to educate themselves yeah. and to visit these spaces and have some respect like mm. it, that's ultimately yeah. it needs to come down it's not to you know uh minority groups or, or people of color to have to educate white people on how to respond in spaces like there just comes a point like and I have so many of these conversations with mm. white friends who just don't get it yeah. because they've never had to get it we're always centered in our in in this country and yeah. you know to your point ryan it's it's not about them in that space yeah and they need to learn to uh, take a back seat deprioritizing yeah, yourself yeah and i mean I, you need to be there you need to watch them and they need to be they need to feel like they're at the center of it for a moment and like and if that moment's once every two months at hungama then that's brilliant but like that 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 magic is something that they will they will reach down and feel when when life gets tough or when they they don't feel like they'll ever accomplish um that task or that goal like they just need to remember that feeling on the dance floor music can change people and like um why is it that queer people always have to congregate in the darkness and underneath the sound systems and so close to proximity to drugs and alcohol and not just feel together and kind mm. it always needs to feel like we all are being thrown into the 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 depths of society and then only a few of us make it to the top let's because i when uh you and james obviously have a uh, friendship um ask too soon don't worry yes uh but when he was like so what do you think about getting ryan on the show my first thought and it's terrible for thinking that given how your background is and the amazing things that you've done i was like the big flower fight oh my god <laughs> <laughs> because that's where i watched that back in what that was released in lockdown 1.0 mm -hmm. wasn't it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um how on earth did that come about like oh. i am struggling to piece these puzzle pieces together <laughs> you're not you? a florist no no i'm not a florist. i actually <laughs> hate flowers <laughs> was that part of your application process uh kind of uh so basically the <laughs> hate flowers tick he'll do and <laughs> <laughs> uh in one word it was hangama mm. um in two words it was friends at hangama but um basically i was a fashion curator i curated exhibitions and in my shows they would be defined as experiential and immersive exhibitions i'd get artists to create sculptures that like would kind of blow your mind and put your phone away um so mm -hmm. that was always on my website and people always knew that but then i created hangama and that got me let's say national fame mm. um in the sense that people were like okay cool in the music industry there's this new person who's starting this new night but no one knows about it everyone will talk about it um because y'all white sorry so you can't come <laughs> um anyways um you can come now but before then it would be weird um <laughs> uh so i did that and then i did this one event called hangama hotel where like we went to the chateau um mm. that was run by laurie and we took over the upstairs the restaurant and the downstairs for the full day yeah. and in the morning we did like mindfulness and then we invited uh, 20 people to come and do um uh talks about life or there's a two, two people who came to, to talk about life coaching like how to get over your own trauma and then we did um meditation how to teach you how to meditate when you t things get tough and then we all had lunch and then we did a yoga class downstairs and we had a panel um called south asian provocateurs and um and had a lot of people who were like in the industries of fashion music and art talk about their experiences so people could learn and then we had a big dinner like a last supper together and then we had hangama um that was like that was a huge project, but it was really fun. It was really cute. Worked with a lot of cool people. A lot of people who are really big now in the industry. And um, and I think someone was watching and then they were asked by a producer if they knew anyone who was gay in, in a couple who would be interested in the show about flowers. And she just put my name forward. And um, at the time, my, my partner was working with nature and rocks and their photography. Right. And I just said, should we do this? And they said, if we can go on the show and teach people about nature and play with nature until we get eliminated, why not? How was the experience? Was it fun? 
it was fun, but um, for me personally, it was really difficult. Um, but not I did not have fun. I had a great time. Also, I went in there like I was on Drag Race. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I walked in with the, like a fucking entrance line. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, Andrew and I went on the show and we had a great time with everyone else. But we just learned really quickly. Andrew's an incredibly like talented artist, and I'm incredibly <laughs> vicariously tenacious. tenacious yeah. Um, and <laughs> and have audacity unlike anything I've ever met before. And so blunt too. Um, but anyways, we got on the show and just like the first episode, I was asked by the production. To stop using um secateurs to cut chicken wire and i was like what's a secateur and they were like you were cutting chicken wire with what you're supposed to cut plants with like can you just use a wire cutter <laughs> and i was like i am a gay man in a biodome what are you doing to me and it was an amazing journey for you on the show because you ended up winning yeah what did you win I got to make another sculpture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like have them at home? $100,000. Uh, no, actually, I do. So they die. I do have one of the sculptures at home. But don't uh, they die? Uh, it's the dried flower challenge. <laughs> ah. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I made that infinity mirror. Um, I remember, okay, so let me tell you the real story if we're really going to like, I mean, Andrew probably never listened to the podcast anyways, but basically he, it got to a point where Andrew knew that he was leading our team. He was, I was like riddled with like anxiety and like just had no, um, no worth inside me. I didn't think I could do anything. And so the only way I could work properly or get things done was if I got mad at him. So I would get into a fight with him on camera, not on camera, off camera. Then we'd act like nothing happened. I could work so calmly, but it made me realize as a kid, like I would only work well off negative reinforcement. Right. So if my mom or dad didn't believe in me, then I would prove them wrong. Right. And so it was just such a weird conversation to have in my head. And then um, Andrew and I on the show, like we got to a point where he was like, I really want to win this challenge. And it was episode four, the, the thrones, edible thrones. And as soon as we won that, I don't know if this is like a remarkable thing to do or a very villainous thing to do, but he just kind of washed his hands on the show and was like, that's it. We've won. We're not going to win the show. So just go for it let's let's see where you fail i don't know if that's true i don't know if it's true but it's what i really feel is the truth for me and i didn't fail i rose to the challenge you won, baby. Uh, yeah no so episode episode f uh five six seven and eight <laughs> it yeah. was hard not to win yeah you won uh, yeah it was ours to lose yeah. many, another, one, another, another one another one another win another thousand <laughs> on episode uh, uh, the seahorse though i remember walking in if you watch it again anyone who wants to catch it before it's off netflix um watch the beginning of episode six i walk in with a black long sleeve shirt a black hoodie around my shoulders like the gayest man in the world black sunglasses and i just go in and go in they're just a bunch of poles. The night before, I saw Christina Aguilera at the Virgin Party at London Fashion Week. <laughs> Got on the train at 5 a.m. being like, I don't think I can do this. And Andrew looked at me going, we're going to lose this. We're going to lose this because you went and saw Christina Aguilera. <laughs> it was a necessity though, right? Then I was like, let's get dirty. Um, so you, your personality is just perfect for TV. Mm -hmm. um, so, and speaking of TV, uh, my... <laughs> I can't even talk. <laughs> the big proud party agency. It is hard to say, is uh, it not? Yeah. Oh my God. It is, isn't it? Yeah, I got it really four GCSEs. Mm. <laughs> Tell us about it. Okay, so I was lucky enough during the pandemic to be distracting everyone by looking like I was on a flower show. Um, when we, <laughs> everyone was like not knowing that Andrew and I had broken up and I was couch surfing all the pandemic. Oh, so I was it. really struggling. But um, everyone watched the flower show and I was like, oh, cool. So like the world thinks TV is real. So I'm just going <laughs> to lean into that. And so I hired all of my friends who were in PR who got laid off. And I was like, get me gigs and I'll give you 20% kickback. Shit. And yeah. And so basically like got coverage everywhere. So everyone thought I was like the star of the flower fight. But really, I'm just like the most narcissistic. <laughs> um, or resourceful. 
Um, say again. Yeah. Resourceful. Yeah, no, exactly. All right. Mm. I mean, come on. Survival yeah. of the wittiest. Um, I, <laughs> I managed to get someone in touch with an agency and then out of nowhere, someone called me and they were like, would you be interested in hosting a TV show? And I was like, yes, count me in. And so they told me it was called the Big Proud Party Agency and it's about um, X, Y, and Z. And I was like, oh, I'd love to do it. So I auditioned and I was like, oh my God, this is my zone of genius. Like it, it's exactly where I need to be. Yeah. And I was just for a minute, I just saw the harmonization of every single left turn I'd ever taken mm. and how everything is now going right. And so it was really beautiful. I basically um, am on a show um, in tandem with Christopher Mills, who's an incredible luxury event planner. Um, he's done parties for like Adele and Elton oh, John. Oh, he's a DJ. What's that? Chris Mills. Chris Mills. Yeah, Chris, Christopher Mills. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> he, he is so cute. He's so sweet. He's my on-screen, on-screen, on-TV husband. Um, and I'm mm. also paired with um, Teddy Edwards, who runs the fabulous party, lesbian party, Lick. Um, and we run an agency called the Big Proud Party Agency. And people come into our agency to throw surprise parties for their loved ones. Um, and then we compete to have our clients pick our party oh, oh nice yeah and then um and then whoever get whoever wins their party gets thrown i and love that coming on bbc3 right yeah bbc3 on the bbc on, on the, B- B- on the <laughs> bbc, BBC. On the Welcome BBC. to the bbc i know yeah. which is now on the telly yeah. imagine this though, 11 years ago i was sitting in a kfc and i'm on the bbc <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did you plan that before no i literally just came out and felt wow, really good you're so quick mm, i guess brilliant. it feels perfect for you because you're obviously got your your you host events on the regular mm. um clearly such a creative person so it must have felt amazing to be on something that felt like a complete uh, alignment. Yeah, it's true. Well, I mean, couldn't see me. See Rex over here. I was like, that was actually really sweet. <laughs> He's my new favorite. Is yes. Excuse, excuse me. Where's that off button for that mic? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. Basically, I. You asked. You're like, why did you go on the big firefight if you were a florist? Um. The reason I went was for visibility mm. i was like i'm not a florist but i mean i can put a pot plant in a pot so like how difficult is this but re- in reality i was like no matter how far i get i don't think i've ever seen myself on tv and this is the first time that someone's gonna get let me go on there and just be crazy mm. so i'm gonna even even if i act a fool at least someone on netflix globally will see someone like myself and hopefully it'll make an impact yeah and and also because bbc3 is now we're like proper channel again yeah yeah be what do you mean again it wasn't was before. It, it, no, it was just on iPlayer. Yeah. And that's proper. All right. Proper. <laughs> that's <was quite> pointed. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> BBC pop quiz over there. <laughs> I'm running on two hours sleep and too much caffeine. When, <laughs> when, when is it out? Do you know when that's out? Um, it's going to be out early spring. Um, the <laughs> pandemic obviously delayed things and we had to like, we had to have gaps in shooting just because like we couldn't have throw six parties in a week. <laughs> It'd be intense to shoot. Yeah. Um, so, um, fun though. Yeah, they're making, yeah, it was really fun. It was fun yeah. while everyone else was like, Omicron. I was just like, mm, can't relate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm in isolation with 150 other people. <laughs> uh, crazy running out of time oh wow yeah, but i feel like i didn't ask you anything i just sat here staring at you <laughs> like it's my fucking podcast <laughs> <laughs> there was so much more that i wanted to ask you but oh that's what i wanted to ask you what is next for ryan because <laughs> well no i think it's a real why uh, listen i am on one today i am so what crazy. is next for you what is what's next <laughs> coming soon <laughs> i don't know the only thing i plan is like the westbound train to on the Piccadilly line eastbound i am so I'm sorry I'm. major come so far yeah. I literally should have brought my passport yeah. <laughs> I actually texted some like <laughs> some estranged family members just being like well, do you want to go for dinner later because <laughs> how this is the closest I'm ever going to get to Hounslow 
<laughs> thank you so much for making the trip um, all the way out here to yeah. the cube. And I feel like we've we've discussed so much, but I feel like there's still so much more that I we could just, discuss. So do you want to come back at some point? Yeah. I would love Maybe to, we'll come back for the end. I would love to come back and like do a recap. Um, believe in yourself. Go forth and conquer. <laughs> Actually, you know what? If you could leave our listeners with one line, what mm. would that one liner be? It could be an inspirational moment. It could be... I don't know. It could be a moment about yourself. You could like be just pro Ryan. Okay. I'm here for that. I'm here for everything. I would say follow me and it's Lan G <laughs> with a J. <laughs> Wise. Is but it, is, uh, is a few, uh, there's a few parts. Okay, but cool. what I want to say to everyone, which I think is the uh, aha moment that I had, is that London will not let you do what you want to do. It'll only let you do what you're good at. And what you're good at is your zone of genius. So don't stay in your zone of ignorance. Wow. Wow. Isn't he amazing? Yeah, I know. Oh God! Well, thank you so Very much. much. Thank podcast. you so like, much. <laughs> like I now feel like yeah, I need to go and read. Be better. <laughs> Be better in all sense of the fucking world. Yeah. Um, but, when are we? I feel like we need to play, and we well, we are going to be playing a night together. Well, potentially, maybe. Yeah, we'll yeah. Speak about it. Yeah, 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 of course, of course. It's not really for the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, bye. Ciao, ciao.